is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. You know, up to about six or seven years ago, I never owned a gun. Never owned a rifle. Never owned a bullet. Never owned any ammunition. And yet, I still defended the Second Amendment and the Bill of Rights and the Constitution generally. It didn't matter. Freedom of the press. Freedom of speech. Freedom of assembly. Freedom of religion. The right to bear arms, due process, warrants, on and on and on. What would we do without our precious Bill of Rights? What would we do? You know, there was a debate early on. A debate early on at the Constitutional Convention, and actually before, on whether or not all these rights should be listed in a Constitution. And a number of the delegates at the Constitutional Convention said no. If we start listing rights, what if we miss some? And some argued, well, we better list them. Because maybe there's too much ambiguity. Well, at these state ratification debates, especially in New York and Virginia and Massachusetts... And Pennsylvania, well, they didn't like the Constitution exactly as adopted in Philadelphia and proposed to the states for ratification. And so they threatened to turn it down. This is one of the reasons the Federalist Papers were written by Hamilton Madison and John Jay, mostly Hamilton and Madison. And uh, Hamilton and John Jay were of New York, of course, and Madison of Virginia, to make the most persuasive case they could for the Constitution. They were essays that were published and circulated. Well, there are anti-Federalist papers, too. You may not be aware of this. Arguments that were made against the Constitution. And you know what's interesting? When you read the Federalist Papers and the Anti-Federalist Papers, none of them, none of them supported the kind of federal government that we have today. None of them would have supported it. All of them would have objected to it. None of them perceived the Supreme Court as having the power that it has today, except one man. One man. And he wrote that he was concerned about the judicial powers. That there did not seem to be any limits on this new judiciary, this Supreme Court that was created. As I pointed out in my first book, Men in Black. And he was right. We have John Paul Stevens today who led the left wing of the court for 20 years with yet another op-ed 
another comment about our Constitution, always insisting that we change it, that we alter it, that we rewrite it. You and I who support the articles, the uh, Article 5 in Convention of States, we don't propose amendments to alter and change the Constitution to accommodate the progressive ideology. Eleven reform amendments I propose are intended to undergird the existing Constitution and the limits and the limits placed on government. So I didn't even own a weapon until six or seven years ago, give or take. And yet I believed in the Second Amendment. I believe in the Constitution. And yet we have people on our courts who do not, people who used to serve on our courts who do not, an entire ideology that has taken over so many aspects of our society that does not and it cannot because progressivism and constitutionalism as I've said many times cannot coexist and before I get to John Paul Stevens I will tell you why they cannot coexist because many of you haven't and will not I'm sure read Rediscovering Americanism but I've talked about John Dewey before he's just one of several of the so-called progressive intellectuals who imposed this ideology on our society. Nobody ever voted to overturn the Constitution. Nobody ever voted to overturn the Declaration of Independence. And as I pointed out in my book, Dewey and the others insisted that the present attachment to the principles and values of the American founding must be repudiated and replaced with a new scientific approach behavioral sciences, political science, social science, and so forth, which he argued addresses the modern social conditions of the collective. He wrote, the scientific attitude is experimental as well as intrinsically communicative. If it were generally applied, it would liberate us from the heavy burdens imposed by dogmas and external standards. He's attacking your belief system and values and our principles. Experimental method... Experimental method is something other than the use of blowpipes, retorts, and regents. It is the foe of every belief that permits habit and want to dominate invention and discovery and ready-made system to override verifiable fact. So he is attacking the idea of eternal truths and universal truths. In other words, he's attacking the founders, the framers, Aristotle, Cicero, you name it. Constant revision, constant revision is the work of experimental inquiry. By revision, of, <laughs> by revision of knowledge and ideas, power to effect transformation is given us. This attitude once incarnated in the individual mind would find an operative outlet. If dogmas and institutions tremble when a new idea appears, this shivers nothing to what? What happen if the idea were armed with the means of the continuous discovery of new truths and the criticism of old beliefs? To acquiesce in science is dangerous only for those who would maintain affairs in the existing social order, unchanged because of lazy habit or self-interest. For the scientific attitude demands faithfulness to whatever is discovered and steadfastness in the adhering to a new truth. So new truths, constant change, Constant experimentation with humanity 
and human institutions and systems. Not traditions and customs. Constant change. New discoveries. New truths. You see, it's not compatible with a constitutional republic. It's just not. Like most progressives, for them there is no timeless absolute truth since all things are subject to change in situation. And so uh, there is this attack on the Declaration and the Constitution, and that would include your Second Amendment. Now with this context, this understanding, this thumbnail sketch, John Paul Stevens... I want to remind you, John Paul Stevens wrote the opinion in a 5-4 decision in which he concluded, in essence, that the EPA had the power to regulate carbon dioxide, even though the EPA was not free to regulate anything that was a non-pollutant. Carbon dioxide is not a pollutant. Carbon dioxide has never been considered a pollutant. Remember, we're not talking about carbon monoxide. And in that five to four decision, Massachusetts versus the EPA, we've had a, a total anti-revolution against the capitalist system, or I should say rebellion against the capitalist system, in the name of climate change. And what, and what Stevens did is he effectively armed the EPA with the ability to regulate something that the Clean Air Act does not empower the EPA to regulate, but he didn't care because he's a progressive. Remember, new truths and constant change, and this is why they feel they're intellectually superior to you and me. This is why they feel they're intellectually superior to uh, people of faith or constitutionalists. And he writes here, rarely in my lifetime in the New York Times piece today have I seen the type of civic engagement school children and their support is demonstrated in Washington and other major cities throughout the country this past Saturday. This demonstrations, these demonstrations demand our respect. They reveal the broad public support for legislation to minimize the risk of mass killings of school children and others in our society. So in the first paragraph, he simply repeats what the left always says. That support is a clear sign to lawmakers to enact legislation prohibiting civilian ownership of semi-automatic weapons, increasing the minimum age to buy a gun from 18 to 21 years old, and establishing more comprehensive background checks on all purchases of firearms. Now listen to the first part. Prohibit civilian ownership of semi-automatic weapons. Do you realize the vast majority of weapons owned in this country are semi-automatic weapons? Where you pull the trigger and the bullet comes out. Pull it faster and the bullet comes out faster. They're not automatic weapons. I'm just curious on how they would enforce that. How would you enforce that? I'm never going to give up my semi-automatic weapons. Concerned that a national standing army might pose a threat to the security of the separate states led to the adoption of that amendment which provides that a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Today that concern is a relic of the 18th century. Now understand, everything is a relic. 
That's why I began by reading a very short quote from John Dewey, which is illustrative of the progressive mindset back then and today. The Constitution is a relic. The Declaration of Independence is a relic. The Bill of Rights, a relic if they say it's a relic, and not a relic if they don't say it's a relic. Because you see, truths keep popping up, new truths. And who determines if something is a new truth or not? Well, of course, the progressives. On the Supreme Court, if they're in the presidency, if they're in Congress, if they're in the bureaucracy, they get to decide what a truth is. A brand new truth. This is a relic, you see. Because we all know in modern society, governments never abuse their people. A relic of the 18th century. Is the Third Reich a relic of the 18th century? Is what you see taking place in the Middle East a relic of the the 18th century? Well, Mark, this can never happen in America. Well, God willing, it will never happen in America. But truth is, I don't know what this country is going to look like two or three hundred years from now. Nobody does. And why should I care that John Paul Stevens pretends that he does? Even if we accept his interpretation. He says, for over 200 years after the adoption of the Second Amendment, it was uniformly understood as not placing any limit on either federal or state authority to enact gun control legislation. How so? For over 200 years? How so? Unbelievable. Does he feel that way about freedom of speech? You see, the left, the left, ladies and gentlemen, is a very dangerous place to be. It's a very thin line between their claims of populism and autocracy, tyranny, totalitarianism. The left loved what was going on in Venezuela, didn't they? Oh, yeah, they did. They don't even talk about Venezuela anymore. Why? The left loved what took place originally in Cuba. They don't even talk about Cuba anymore. Why? And you know what's funny? John Dewey, even 20 years after the Russian Revolution in 1917, was still praising Russia, was praising Stalin. He was a little concerned about the violence, but he was really celebrating and admiring how completely they were altering their society and teaching their children the, the importance of the communal you know, society. This is why I say progressivism is the bastard child of Marxism. He goes on about his uh, selective history of the Second Amendment, of which he is quite ignorant. He talks about Supreme Court rulings, which is fine. I talk about the Constitution, which is better. And so he, uh, he basically says that essentially the Second Amendment needs to be repealed. Needs to be repealed. Uh, and he says it's, it's a rather simple idea. Now, of course, as you know, it takes two-thirds of both houses of Congress to propose an amendment and three-fourths of the legislatures or conventions thereof to ratify. Or, in a convention of states, it would take three-fourths of the states to convene and, again, 38 states to ratify. Which means all it would take is 13 states to say no. 
So there's no way in hell this would take place. None. I've got more to say. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. something. We don't have to defend the history of the Second Amendment any more than we have to defend the history of the First Amendment, the Third Amendment, the Fourth, the Fifth, the Sixth, the Seventh, Eighth, Ninth, Tenth. We do not have to defend the history of the Second Amendment. What we have to defend is the Second Amendment, the fact of the Second Amendment. The debate over the Second Amendment was had it's over. It took place. It's part of our Constitution. If people want to change it, then it is they who need to start the debate over a new constitutional amendment. But you and I both know that's not the way it works with the left. The way it works with the left is they pack the courts with progressive ideologues who dress up their ideology in constitutional language actually use the Constitution against the Constitution as they use liberty against liberty and claim that they have the power, as former Justice John Paul Stevens does in his op-ed, to alter the Second Amendment. In fact, he claims we always had this power. Autocrat, that's what he is. Levin, a champion of freedom. You know, you're one of the greatest champions of freedom in this country, if not in the English-speaking world, Mark. Call Mark at 877-381-3811. Here's the bottom line. For the progressive, the Democrats, the leftists, call them what you will, the American heritage and founding principles must be thrust aside if there's to be human progress. These principles, our heritage, they're dismissed as outmoded and obstructive. You've heard it all weekend long, impeding the pursuit of these utopian ends. For they're unconnected to the present, you see. The Constitution is unconnected to the present. Unless, of course, they believe it can advantage them. Man, society, and the political and governing systems must be pliable. To meet the special conditions of the day, subject to the commands of a consolidated and amalgamated ruling class. So this requires a far-reaching change in education, the culture, and the American mindset. In particular, the sacred rights of the individual. Paramount under the Declaration of Independence's order are said to be an old notion, an old notion of individualism. And they must give way to the new individualism, where the individual is subjugated to the moral power of the state in the name of the general will and the greater good. And now when you read Stevens's op-ed and put it in that context, you'll understand exactly what he is. The Bill of Rights are about individual liberty, protecting individual liberty, protecting your property, protecting your speech. Protecting your thought process, protecting your family, protecting your liberty. It's about freedom of this and freedom of that, freedom of association, freedom of religion, freedom of speech, 
the freedom to own a weapon. Due process, should the government come after you. Probable cause, should the government come after you. The right to a jury trial, should the government come after you. The right not to testify against yourself, should the government come after you. It's a magnificent document, and the Bill of Rights are magnificent in protecting the individual. So they are constantly under attack from the left. The left claims to be the civil libertarians of our nation. They're not civil libertarians. They're not civil, and they're not libertarians. They're autocrats. Their ideology is autocratic. And so in a short op-ed, a former Supreme Court justice who served on their over three decades, almost four decades, dismisses the Bill of Rights, dismisses the Second Amendment. Times have changed. Don't you understand? This is a vestige of the past. And so you can imagine, for all those decades he sat on the court, and this was his mindset. To modernize society, to constantly change society, to bob and weave through the Constitution, to embrace that which he felt would achieve his ends, and to reject that which he felt would not. That's tyrannical. That's tyrannical. There's no way about it. And this is the ideology that we confront. And it is a dangerous ideology and it is overwhelming us. Because it is an attack on you and your unalienable rights. And that's why they don't talk about Venezuela anymore. They were used to celebrate Venezuela. Bernie Sanders used to celebrate Venezuela. Now, I want to get into some other things here that are, that are crucially important about Russia, about other aspects of things that are going on. But even look at this, the census. The census. Now, when Bill Clinton's Commerce Department and when his census used a census, the long-form census asked about citizenship, there was no loud howling about it being racist, about it being unfair, about not counting every person in the country. Nobody gave it a second thought. Nobody. In 2000, his Commerce Department, the 2000 census, asked about citizenship. And now the head of the DNC, the miscreant, Tom Perez, says it's a craven attack on our democracy and a transparent attempt to intimidate immigrant communities. So now, asking people if they're American citizens is an attack on our democracy and a craven attempt to intimidate immigrant communities. Let me be very clear. If this ideology in this party succeeds, the country will come to an end. If this ideology in this party succeeds, the country will come to an end. The fact that they create controversy around asking whether or not somebody's a citizen, not even for the purpose of enforcing our laws, deportation, but doing head counts. So a nation can know how many citizens there are and how many non-citizens there are in order to make decisions. We have an organized group called the Democrat Party under an ideology called the progressive ideology that doesn't want the information because they do not want public policy 
public policy informed by that information. They don't want the information. We have people in high public office who are organizing against and operating against and administering against the citizenry. The citizenry. I've never imagined anything like this. I never imagined anything like this. Did you? So a short 18 years ago, it was okay for the census to do this. Now it's racist. It's intended to intimidate. And Nancy Pelosi even said it violated the Constitution. To know how many citizens are in your own country violates the Constitution. She's been around a long time. Did it violate the Constitution in 2000 when Bill Clinton did? As a matter of fact, this was a, a recurrent question. Until 2008, when Barack Obama and his regime said they weren't going to ask the question anymore. I mean, incredible. Absolutely incredible. And you can go to this site, NTK Network, and they have up there a Photoshop of the 2000 U.S. Census long-form questionnaire went to an average of one in six households and included the questions about citizenship. Number 13, is this person a citizen of the United States? Yes, born in the United States. Yes, born in Puerto Rico, Guam, Virgin Islands, and Northern Marianas. Yes, born aboard, born, born abroad of American parent or parents. Yes, a U.S. citizen by naturalization. No, not a citizen of the United States. Wow. What an intimidating question. Now, the other reason they don't want this question to ask is because there are people here illegally who are stealing from the American people, who are getting Medicaid, who are getting food stamps, and states want to be reimbursed. States that passively or even affirmatively accept this kind of behavior. There is a piece from yesterday in the L.A. Times by Chad Thurhoon uh, with Kaiser Health News. You know what the headline of the piece is? California Medicaid expansion enrolled hundreds of thousands of ineligible people, federal report finds. An estimated 450,000 people are covered by Medicaid expansion under Obamacare who are not eligible for the coverage. According to the United States Health and Human Services Department, Chief Watchdog, the Inspector General, this is a report from February 21, this year, estimated that California spent $738 million on 366,000 expansion beneficiaries who were ineligible. Spent an additional $416 million for 79,000 expansion enrollees who were potentially ineligible, the auditors found. The auditors said nearly 90% of the $1.15 billion in questionable payments involved federal money, while the rest came from the state's Medicaid program known as Medi-Cal. And they looked at a six-month period from October 1, 2014 to March 31, 2015, when Medicaid payments of $6.2 billion were made related to 1.9 million newly eligible enrollees. So almost 25% of the newly eligible enrollees were unqualified, were ineligible. 
for Medicaid. And so you see, ladies and gentlemen, California has become a rogue, lawless state as a result of the Democrat Party government. The one-party rule in that state. It is a lawless, rogue state. Now, if there were any justice, the politicians involved in ripping off the American taxpayer, ripping off the Californian taxpayer, will be charged and be going to prison. This is flat-out fraud. It is stealing. But the Democrat Party is building and building and building its power based not just on a small or smaller percentage of the American citizenry, but what they hope will be the new American citizenry and the new voter. And they're using your tax dollars to do it. This is why any suggestion that the word citizenship be applied to anything, voting, federal benefits, state benefits, the census, must be attacked. Because remember what I always say, the Democrat Party, the leadership of the Democrat Party, not the rank and file, although some of that, but not most of it, but the leadership of the Democrat Party is about party first, because party first drives their progressive ideology and further and further aligns the Democrat Party as part of the federal government. It's reaching a point where they're almost indistinguishable. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. By the way, folks, 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time tonight, I will be on Hannity on the Fox News Channel. 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time tonight on Hannity on the Fox News Channel. Immediately after this broadcast, I race off to our Levin TV Reagan Studio bunker to do the program. So I hope you'll join us there. Dollar Shave Club, if the first thing that pops into your head is an amazing affordable shave, this will blow your mind. And that's because Dollar Shave Club now has everything you need to look, smell, and feel your best. Shampoo, body wash, and toothpaste, among other things. And of course, the amazing, affordable, high-quality shave you get from DSC's Executive Razor with their Dr. Carver Shave Butter. Now, you have to experience it. Another must-have experience is how they deliver everything to you. That means no more trips to the store, wandering through the aisles, hunting for razors, shampoo, and toothpaste. Only then having to play at being a cashier, scanning and bagging your own stuff. For a mind-blowing experience, join Dollar Shave Club today. And for just $5 with free shipping, you'll get the six-blade executive razor plus trial sizes of shave butter and body cleanser. Then keep the blades coming for a few bucks more a month. So get yours right now at dollarshaveclub.com slash mark. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash mark, dollarshaveclub.com slash mark. I think you'll like it. You really ought to check it out. And now we go to Utopia. Now we go to Utopia. Where Hollywood's leftists used to go, where America's leftist reporters used to go, where Bernie Sanders used to point south, Venezuela, where we have equality, no, where we have socialism, no, not really, 
what you have is absolute anarchy. Hunger, starvation, massive crime, including murder. The Miami Herald. As Liliana picks lice from the tangled thick hair of her boyfriend, Patricio, while they sit together on the sidewalk of a Caracas street, she's also multitasking, keeping a watchful eye on her family. When a 10-year-old girl named Daniela's kneels down to drink water from a puddle, Liliana reproaches her, urging her to have a sip from a juice bottle they just found in a garbage bag. At 16, Liliana has become the mother figure for a gang of Venezuelan children and young adults called the Chaqueo, named after the neighborhood they've claimed as their territory. The 15 members, ranging in age from 10 to 23, work together to survive vicious fights for quality, quote-unquote, garbage in crumbling, shortage-plagued Venezuela. The weapons are knives and sticks and machetes. The prize? Garbage that contains food good enough to actually eat. Liliana has a quick, wide smile and goes by the nickname Carmelo. She takes charge of each day for the group, deciding how much food her family, quote-unquote, will consume, how much they will stash away for another day. She settles conflicts that flare up, gives hugs, a kiss, or a pat on the back as needed. Carmelo is my mummy, and Paolo is my aunt, declared Daniela's, a newcomer who joined the gang about a month ago. She left home, she said, because there wasn't enough food to go around. Carmelo, who asked that the full names of the group's members be withheld for fear that they will be targeted by the police, has created a hierarchy within the Chicago gang. There's an inner circle she calls the small combo. It includes her, Payala, and seven other members who roam the city together to recycle black trash bags, meaning they search the bags for food and drink. Whatever they find, they share. The rest of the gang is left outside of the leadership circle for various reasons. Violent behavior, keeping food to themselves, or sometimes a personal dislike. What does this sound like to you? Not a precise parallel. Lord of the Flies. And now you have the law of the jungle, the law of the streets. A complete collapse of the civil society. Venezuela used to be a small-D democracy of sorts. was one of the wealthiest countries south of the border. Venezuela has the largest oil reserves in the world. Maybe not anymore after the United States, but certainly a few years ago, they had the largest oil reserves in the world, and they still do. Larger than Saudi Arabia. Larger than Russia. And yet, the people are starving to death. The people are starving to death. So they form these child gangs. They fight over trash. The currency is non-existent. It's non-existent. People are dying on the streets. There are very few pets left because they're eaten. They hope they can catch a squirrel or a rabbit or a bird. They walk around the streets with clubs and baseball bats. Any animal that moves is dead within minutes. And they fight over the carcass. This is your socialist utopia. 
And don't pretend that all socialism doesn't one way or another wind up this way. The more aggressive the socialism, that is Marxism, the faster the decline. But the decline is inevitable. And it's not just a decline, an economic decline, where you lack complete subsistence. It's decline of the human being. That's what you get when you believe there aren't any eternal truths, any eternal values, any eternal beliefs. And each day is a new day to find new truths. I'll be right back. From the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. There was a a remarkable, although incomplete in my view, interview of a fellow by the name of Brett Bruin, B-R-U-E-N. And he was under Barack Obama the White House Director of Global Engagement from 2013 to 2015. And what's so important about this interview, again, it doesn't go far enough because it's CNN, but what's so important about this is, as again, we've talked about many times on radio and TV, yes, the Russians interfered with our election. No, they didn't influence the outcome, but they clearly interfered with our election. And they did it under the Obama administration. And for a time, the belief was that the Obama administration didn't do enough. But now we know it's worse than that. The Obama administration actually allowed it to happen. They stood down. We talked just a few weeks ago about the revelation in the new book about Susan Rice. When she was approached by the cybersecurity team at the White House and told that the Russians were interfering with the election back in August of 2016, she told them to stand down. They wanted to develop options for the president to consider. She said, do not develop options. You will box him in. It wasn't until one week before the election that the administration even acknowledged what was taking place, that there was an attempt to interfere with our election. And, of course, they turned it all around as collusion against Trump. And as a result, they got a special counsel that is a prosecutor. They've had committee hearings investigating Trump and his people. Of course, they're investigating the wrong people, the wrong administration. And, of course, that's what's intended. Brett Bruin worked for Obama when the Russians were interfering with our election. And let's listen to just some of what was discussed on CNN. Cut one, go. During the 2016 elections, they came at us with exactly the same kinds of techniques that they were using back in Ukraine. According to Brett Bruin, then director of global engagement on the U.S. National Security Council, it was a sign of what was to come, the Russians' new weapon of war. And he says in 2014, 
Two years before the U.S. election, he urged the State Department to keep the task force up and running and build on it. And I was sitting at the White House telling the State Department, for the love of God, keep this up. We have a threat, a new threat that we have recognized, that we have been successful in many respects in pushing back against. This is not the moment for us to stand down. Bruin pitched a command center that would track and counter Russian misinformation. But he says the State Department dismissed the idea. Precisely why isn't clear. Now, why isn't it clear? So you have this man inside the White House, the director of global engagement. 2013 to 2015. He sees what's taking place. He informs the White House. He informs the State Department. He's sitting at the White House telling the State Department, you must do something about it. And they tell him to stand down. Susan Rice tells him to stand down. Barack Obama had to know what the Russians were up to. He had to know. Everybody around him knew. Susan Rice said, don't present him with options. Don't box him in. Now, there's your interference with the Russian election, with the American election by Russia, where the Obama administration did worse than nothing. By their inaction, they facilitated it. Why, you ask? I've told you many, many times it's because they believed Hillary Clinton would be president of the United States. And they didn't want to create the impression that she became president based on anything the Russians had done that might be untoward. And yet they have used that argument against Trump. Now CNN, this this reporter, reports this. And yet it is CNN and MSNBC and the New York Times and the Washington Post and so many in the phony media, the Praetorian Guard media, that continue to perpetuate the big lie, the propaganda to the American people through their demagogues that they call reporters. That somehow Trump did something with the Russians when Trump wasn't in the position to do anything with the Russians, and in fact did not. It continues briefly. Cut to go. You knew enough that you would have been able to foresee the whole fake news, fake uh, grassroots support, fake Twitters coming in the, in the election. Not only did I feel like I knew enough at that moment, I was sitting in the Situation Room saying, this is something that is going to march across Western Europe. It's something that's going to march over to our shores. And we need to be ready. This man worked for Barack Obama. He worked in the White House. This is the true scandal. The abuse of power by the Department of Justice and the FBI. The abuse of the FISA court judges. And not only issuing an original warrant, but extending the warrant three times for a full year to essentially go after Trump. The unmasking of American citizens, including Lieutenant General Michael Flynn, among others, by the Trump White House, one of the unmaskers being Susan Rice, another one being Samantha Power. The abuse of federal law enforcement, the abuse of the FISA court warrant process, the abuse of our surveillance process and the unmasking of American citizens.
the refusal to step in and stop the Russians from interfering in our election. All of this is at the hands of Barack Obama. He's the culprit. He's the perpetrator. He's the Svengali. Now, where is he today? It's as if he had nothing to do with anything. It's as if he wasn't president of the United States. We hear about his Netflix deal. We hear about his books coming, his vacation plans, how he wants to create a million Barack Obamas. But never, ever is he held to account. Never, ever do the media insist that he be held to account, which is why this CNN interview was good, but not good enough. It was truncated. They didn't remind the American people about Susan Rice. They didn't remind the American people who was president of the United States. This Brett Bruin, who we've only heard of now, is a patriot. He's coming out and saying, I warned them. I was in the situation room. I told them what was going on. I told them what was coming. And they wouldn't do anything. So the Russians are committing cyber warfare against the American people. The Russians are trying to interfere with our election. They do interfere with our election. And Obama does nothing. Purposely. Knowingly. Where are the speeches from Mark Warner, from Adam Schiff, from Chuck Schumer, from Nancy Pelosi? Where are the speeches from the Democrats who went on and on about how dangerous it is for a foreign country like Russia to interfere with our elections? They're right. Where are they? They don't give the speech. Now, they want you to think that they really care about Russian collusion. And yet, look at what the administration did under Obama. And look who they're attacking today. A man the Russians truly fear. And they fear this man because they know he knows who they are. They know he knows who Putin is. And they know he knows he will give the President of the United States an honest assessment. And that's John Bolton. They refuse to stand up to Russia, which commits acts of cyber warfare against our government to try and interfere with our election. Now they're trashing the man who's always been thoroughly skeptical about Russia and their intentions. They call him dangerous. They call him a warmonger. Because the Democrats are weak on national security. The Democrats are weak on defense. The Democrats blackmail the president if he wants to effectively finance a class A number one superpower military. He must spend billions and billions of dollars on their crap. And unfortunately, he fell for it. He fell for it. But we talked about that, so that's not my focus. I'm going to play this one more time from the top because you're not going to hear it much. This Brett Bruin, again, remember, he worked for Obama. He was the White House Director of Global Engagement from 2013 to 2015. This isn't some lightweight. He's not some backbencher. And there he is. Warning the White House, warning the State Department, and they refuse to do anything. It is that administration 
that not only tolerated Russian interference in our election, but affirmatively supported it by not doing anything, and then conducted itself in multiple lawless and rogue ways, using the FBI, using the Department of Justice, using the FISA judges and the warrant process, using the unmasking in order to break the law left and right in what is the most diabolical spectacle and scandal in American history. Cut one, go. During the 2016 elections, they came at us with exactly the same kinds of techniques that they were using back in Ukraine. According to Brett Bruin, then director of global engagement on the U.S. National Security Council, it was a sign of what was to come, the Russians' new weapon of war. And he says in 2014, two years before the U.S. election, he urged the State Department to keep the task force up and running and build on it. And I was sitting at the White House telling the State Department, for the love of God, keep this up. We have a threat, a new threat that we have recognized, that we have been successful in many respects in pushing back against. This is not the moment for us to stand down. Bruin pitched a command center that would track and counter Russian misinformation. But he says the State Department dismissed the idea. Precisely why isn't clear. You knew enough that you would have been able to foresee the whole fake news, fake uh, grassroots support, fake Twitters coming in the, in the election. Not only did I feel like I knew enough at that moment, I was sitting in the Situation Room saying, this is something that is going to march across Western Europe. It's something that's going to march over to our shores. And we need to be ready. Let us go to Jeff Monterey, California, the great K-I-O-N. Go. Hi, how are you doing today, sir? All right, Jeff. Go right ahead, my friend. Thank you for having me on the air. Okay, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I wanted to talk about some of the monitoring and specific groups that some of the people I've worked with have witnessed do specific things in different countries, starting back in Georgia with the conflict that began there, and then what moved over into the Ukrainian conflict through the revolution throughout the winter, and then what has developed itself into the North American theater. Uh, we've seen specific groups, which we would call the dancing bears, influence specific tactics with misinformation and propaganda operations that would make it seem like a lot of individuals within the country were the ones discussing, one sharing. But a lot of times what you're seeing is just complete manipulation of information that's coming across through fake media and through operations similar to uh, blogs that would represent themselves as news sources that were more than just someone starting a website in an afternoon and hosting it somewhere where they wouldn't be noticed as easily. Um, what we saw happen with the Trump uh, presidency in the beginning was the full backing around May and April of 2016 and a move that seemed to highlight the maneuvering of what we saw in Ukraine. And what we've noticed lately is a lot of misinformation tactics being manipulated through a lot of what we would call alt-right sources for media, 
and then also the piggybacking by these sources to give credit and validity to these specific misinformation campaigns directed from these dancing bear operations. Um, it's disgusting. Um, it's very disheartening to see a lot now, of... Now, you obviously worked in this field. Yeah, in the past. Because um, I've been doing a lot of reading on this, and you're right on. And the Ukraine is one of the areas this Brett Bruin raised. He said, look what they've done to Ukraine. They're going to do it with us, and they're working on it. And we pushed back against them in the Ukraine, apparently, and it was effective. But then they came back, and he said they would come back, and they attacked us, and the Obama administration stood down. Uh, you know, I think a lot of what happened on the State Department side of things is it was a very difficult decision to make if they didn't have the full backing of all parties within the government. And that's where I think they had a difficult decision to make because they were trying to Well, make who priority. wouldn't they have the backing of? Well, we saw what happened when Obama brought this to McConnell, when they brought this to Paul Ryan. We saw how the conservatives decided well, to— Well, be, before he brought it to McConnell and Ryan, which was very late in the game, um, it was brought to Susan Rice's attention, and she didn't want to bring it to the president. Right. And I think there was a lot of other operations going on that we don't even know about that we're likely monitoring that they didn't want to upset or get in the way of. That's how I now, I don't believe that for that. two seconds, <clears throat> because this guy, the White House Director of Global Engagement, uh, working out of the White House, he would have known a lot more than you and I know, because he was kind of the hub of the wheel. Yeah. And it just it's really sad to see so many of us uh, from both sides getting worked up, because what... One there aren't big- both sides. There aren't both sides like this is relativism. This isn't relativism. There's right and there's wrong and there's good and there's evil. Now, if the Russians are trying to interfere in our campaign, I agree that we should push back and we should address it. But then if you're trying to claim that the Trump campaign and Trump himself was colluding with the Russians, when there's never been any evidence of that, there's no both sides. There's one side. Yeah. And, um, and anybody can make allegations. But you got to be able to come up and support those allegations, which they've not done. Yeah, you know, like how the some of the groups created false Black Lives Matter groups, and then some of the groups created groups that were directly uh, making Facebook posts, and they were fighting with themselves, and they were riling individuals up that were. False. I don't doubt that. And oh, as a yeah. matter of fact, some more information's come out that the Russians, for their own economic uh, interests, uh, were posting uh, phony arguments against fracking. And against energy production, which apparently a number of environmentalists glommed onto in order to fight our companies and the expansion of uh, our oil drilling and our effort to become energy independent. You know, and it's what it's what it's what they were using with that um, analytics company taking all of that data on, th- on third party applications. You know, they got to a point where they were just uh, down to the chemical. What, what is What do the Russians have to do with that? Well, you know, they have nothing to do with that. That's a totally separate issue. But thanks for your call, sir. I'll be right back. America's mentor of conservatism. Call now at 877-381-3811. You can't hear me if without my microphone on. Don't forget, 9.30 p.m., two hours from now, Eastern Time, wherever you are, two hours from now, I'll be on Hannity on the Fox News Channel. 
Uh, so I hope you'll catch us there. I'll be sprinting from the bunker to the TV bunker, the Ronald Reagan studio, where we do Levin TV. And speaking of Levin TV, if you've been paying attention to the news lately, and I know you have, one of the themes that you've probably heard over and over again is the systematic censorship of conservative voices. You've seen the whistleblowers from the biggest names in the Silicon Valley elites admit that conservative points of view are actively being quashed. This is why you need to get CRTV. CR, Conservative Review TV. If you're still getting your media from these social media giants or the liberal mainstream media, you're just not getting the whole story. Now, we started Levin TV as a way to fight back against the mainstream media and to make sure our subscribers had a source that they could actually trust. Now, just over a little a year after launching CRTV, we've added more than a dozen new shows, more than a dozen new shows. We have a full lineup, new ways to watch. We're now the biggest conservative media platform in America. The biggest conservative media platform you'll find anywhere. And we're not done. Try us out for 30 days, absolutely free. 30 days, absolutely free. And use promo code LEVIN, L-E-V-I-N, to save $10 off an annual pass. Now, if you're not a member of this wonderful conservative community, and there are millions of out there, I want to strongly encourage you to do this now. If you like me on the Fox News channel, you like what I say on the radio, you're going to love Levin TV. But I'm only one of the programs. We've got many, many more. Try it out. Get it for your father and mother. Get it for your grandparents. Grandparents, get it for your grandkids. This is the way to go. We are the alternative. As I say, we're not done. Try us out for 30 days. Absolutely free. But use promo code LEVIN. Promo code L-E-V-I-N. You'll save $10 off our annual pass. My recommendation is give us a call right now. 844-LEVIN-TV. 844-L-E-V-I-N-TV. We'll get you all set up. It'll be as simple as can be. You'll tell us what kind of uh, platforms you have, what kind of a cell phone you have, if you have an iPad, if you have a PC, if you have an Apple. If you have a smart TV, whatever it is, we'll get you all set up because our people are very patient and they'll walk you through it. And it'll be very quick, painless, I promise. 844-LEVIN-TV. That's 844-LEVIN-TV. Take advantage of our special discount. Not only do you save $10 on an annual pass, you can try us out for 30 days absolutely free and see if you like us. All right. Let's see here. Let's take a call, shall we? Lewis, Columbia, Maryland, Sirius Satellite. Go ahead. Good evening. How are you? Good. Good. I just want to comment that, you know, I'm disappointed in how the Republican Party as a whole has sort of soft-shoed their response. Uh, There's been a lack of outrage about the Russian interference. I think that, you know, Ronald Reagan must be rolling in his grave, he would never under any circumstances have thought it would be okay for anybody on his staff or on his team to meet with Russians and at the Trump Tower or any place else. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What are you talking about? Ronald Reagan met with Russians. Ronald Reagan met with Gorbachev. Yes, people he- met with, hold on now, people met with Russians all the time. So I assume you, I assume you like the choice of John Bolton then. 
Uh, I think John Bolton's a bit controversial. He's a bit of a, of a more of a hawk. Uh, oh, he's a hawk. I just thought you said that Ronald Reagan would be uh, rolling in his grave. John Bolton worked for Ronald Reagan. I know John Bolton. I worked with him. I would, I would, I would have assumed, given your bravado just now about the Republican Party and and Reagan, that you'd say John Bolton was a great choice. Mr. Reagan would not like the idea of meeting with Russians to to conspire against a fellow American. No, he wouldn't. And nobody did that. Who did that? Uh, uh, Trump Jr.? Trump Jr. didn't conspire with the Russians against America. You must be confusing him with Ted Kennedy, who did it in 1983 and 84 to defeat Ronald Reagan. Uh, You're not even being honest, Mr. Levin. I'm very honest. You're a propagandist for the left, and you have surface-level knowledge about this stuff. Because you will not allow yourself to go where you need to go. Because in order to go where you need to go, you would reject your own party and Barack Obama. I played for you a clip of a gentleman who worked for Obama. A clip of a gentleman who came out and said that that administration did nothing, nothing to stop the Russians interfering. And all you can talk about is the Republicans and Trump, who controlled zero, nothing in the executive branch. His people... What is what? your explanation for Trump Jr. meeting with the Russians at Trump Tower? Why do I care if Trump Jr. met with the Russians at Trump Tower? He's not Alger Hiss. He's not Ted Kennedy. He didn't give him any secrets. He didn't take any secrets. Who gives a damn? Just because the left flops out on TV, I'm supposed to be, wow, look at that. Trump Jr. met with the Russians. Tell me, sir, what took place in that meeting exactly? Well, Mr. Flynn, I'm sure, has told a lot of people. Sir, Mr. Flynn wasn't in the meeting. I asked you a question. What exactly took place in that meeting that has you so worked up? We'll find out. That's for sure. Nothing, pal. Nothing. Get the hell off my phone. Oh, well. What can I tell you, folks? I try reason. If it doesn't work, I just cannot suffer fools that easily. Plus, I'm playing the role of somebody who can do these sorts of things. If I were in the government and there's no Bill of Rights, right? Bill of Rights are antiquated. Speech is antiquated. We want to find the real truth, the new truth. And only I know the real truth and the new truth. Yeah, right. Tongue in cheek, of course. Now, that guy was bouncing all over the place. He didn't want to know any facts. So what's the point? Ben. Evansville, Indiana, on the great WGBF. Go. Hey, hey Mark Levin, your intellect and common sense, the, the, when you speak the truth and the facts and history, the liberals get upset. And when it comes to the Second Amendment, there is no compromise. Again, there is no compromise. Once we compromise, then the incremental process begins, and they start to take our different weapons away. Just like on an assault weapon. They can't even give a definition of an assault weapon. Yeah, exactly. And, and by the way, there's no such thing as an assault weapon unless you actually assault somebody with a weapon. Absolutely. My God. Uh, there are two types of law. Malaprohibita and malinse. Malaprohibita, yes. a crime against the norms of society. Malinse, a crime which is evil in itself. And You're my God, good. it's all, all over the world. Yes. Uh, myself and a few other men... Almost 20 years ago, we got together on a cold Sunday morning and said, we've got to do something to fight Bill Clinton. 
and out of it, by the grace of God, come what we call the Second Amendment patriots. We're compromised of uh, 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 com- comprised men and women from all walks of life, all the way from the professional to the truck driver, from the housewife to the grandmother. And the, the year 2000, we were awarded the NRA, ILA. National all right, all right, Award. I don't want to go into this every step. But I have no idea what your group does. We fight for the Second Amendment. We right. fight for the Second Amendment. Well, I appreciate that. And people need to fight and argue for the Second Amendment. Thank you for your call, Ben. Ben is a former Marine, too, and uh, was in law enforcement as well. I know nothing about the group. Let's continue. Jules, Brooklyn, New York, the great WABC. This is an honor for me, Mark. I just want you to know that. Thank you, sir. Uh, I know your topic is talking about Russian hacking. Um, and and apparently they, liberal hacks, too. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't know what we're going to do with them. Uh, you know, I always thought the Internet was uh, unconstitutional or can be used oh, to uh, subvert the Constitution. And I was talking to my friend today. I think you should do a show on that. What? I don't believe that the Internet's unconstitutional. How is it unconstitutional? Well, okay, I put in that I want to buy sneakers size 10 wide, and for the rest of my life I'm getting, um, I'm getting uh, ads. But it has nothing to do with the government. See, the Constitution relates to the government. Okay. See, this so is it can't be unconstitutional. Well, do you think uh, the government... Well, let's go further. The government... Now, now, if the government is collecting information on you about your private sales, that's a whole other story. Exactly. And you think the government's not in bed with Yahoo and Facebook and... I don't know. It's an interesting point. I, use, I would have said to you five years ago, you're out of your mind. I won't say that today. And I would have because said the, the kind of information the government collects on us now, some of it compelled... I mean, they know all about your health because they force doctors to tell them. They know all about your finances because of the IRS. For all I know, they know about a lot of your phone calls because of the NSA activity. So I, I don't know. You might be right. You know, you mentioned the IRS. I'm an ex-IRS agent. and I, I Oh, so, boy. Yeah, I was so furious at what Lois Lerner did. I mean, and she got away with it. It just, just boggles my mind. Let me tell you something about the IRS. I, I have directed my accountant because I don't understand all the rules. I really don't. And I don't want to go crossways, and I don't want any trouble. And I told my accountant, I'm in this new 37% bracket, you know. I said, pay him 40%. He said, what are you talking about? I said, look, I don't even understand half this stuff. I can't even deduct what I used to deduct and so forth and so on. Pay them 40%. We'll figure it out. We'll get it back after. Maybe or maybe not. Because I figure these people will target me. And I overpay my state taxes, too. Wow. It's pathetic. It's disgusting. Well, I was in international <coughs> tax, taxes. So you what I, now? I was in international taxes yeah. for the federal government. Well, that must so, be fascinating. Oh, Very my God. I could tell you, the biggest of the big I did. I could tell you stories. And I got, uh, you know... I got people in Washington pretty pissed off, too. I want I to go into certain areas. And, um, you know... Well, listen, just- my brother, I've got a hard break. But, Jules, I appreciate your call very, very much. Thank you, sir. And I'll just tell you folks this. 
this is why I get sick and tired of people. Oh, the rich don't pay. The rich don't pay. I make a lot of money. And my federal and state taxes and my local taxes amount to over 50%. I'm not Warren Buffett. I don't have park money here. I'm not, uh, what's his name, Gates. I don't know where to put money overseas. And in there. I just play it straight. I pay it straight and I grind my teeth. I'll be right back. Lovin. Chaos at the grocery stores. That's the scene you see on your TV when an emergency strikes, a hurricane, a tornado, an earthquake, massive fires. Here there's a side the cameras don't cover. The people who are actually prepared. And for them, a crisis becomes, you know, mere inconvenience. Luckily, millions of Americans are already prepared. They did it when things were calm. That's how you get prepared. Isn't it time you prepared to? Now, here's a simple way to start. I'm going to make it really easy. A Mark Levin special offer from my friends at My Patriot Supply. This week, get their 72-hour emergency food supply for $17.76 each, plus free shipping. The food is delicious, and it lasts 25 years in storage. It's a great first step. Three days of food is the very least everyone should have. And you can order right now. The folks are there. Here's our number, 800-294-2325. 800-294-2325. Or use this special website we've set up, preparewithmark.com. Preparewithmark.com. Make sure everyone in your family has one of those food kits. They'll only be available at this great price for a short period of time. So that's 800-294-2325 or preparewithmark.com. Again, 800-294-2325 or preparewithmark.com. Let us go to Robert. Southwest Indiana, the great WGBF. Go. Hey, Mark. Hello. Hey, it's good to talk to you. Long-time listener, first-time uh, caller. and uh, Thank you. I, I just uh, wanted to make a comment. Uh, uh, you know, Injustice Stevens has this idea that, uh, you know, uh, absolute truths are relics. The Constitution's a relic. So I thought he should just adopt his own thoughts about himself and become a relic himself. <laughs> you think he's a relic because he's 97, and what does he know? Well, I mean, based on his his uh, thoughts, he is a relic. That's that's mm-hmm. the thought that he's projected to me anyway. Mm-hmm. I find it amazing when we talk about Convention of States in Article 5, which is actually in the Constitution. They say, well... You think you're smarter than Madison? Say, no, we're actually picking up where Madison told us to pick up. And yet these people, they're the ones who are constantly rewriting the Constitution, constantly. And so they know they can't get the support to uh, repeal the Second Amendment, which would be, even if they could, it would be horrendous. But they know they can't do it. So they'll try and do it through the back door. You'll notice in that op-ed, he not only says that they should campaign to repeal the Second Amendment, he effectively says, or essentially says, the courts can repeal a lot of it anyway. Yeah. He says that's yeah. the history of the Second Amendment. Of course, he's a liar. That's not the history. 
Well, he voted against it in that, uh, I don't remember the case, and so on, some, so on, so on against D.C. or something like yeah, that. Yeah, Heller. Right, and he voted against it then. He said, at that point, I don't want you to own guns. I don't want, you know, the average citizen to own guns. He basically himself. said, you don't even have the right to own a gun to protect yourself. Right. right. He's a radical. And can I make a, a, a just a suggestion? I don't know if you've ever heard it or not. It's a, it's a video called uh, Agenda, Grinding Down America. If you've well, never I, heard of I would it. have. To, I've never heard of it, so I would have to look at it. All right, my friend. Thank you, Frank, Orlando, Florida, Sirius Satellite. Go. Hey, Mark. Thanks for taking my call. You I, bet. I love your show. I love your Fox show. Thank you for what. Thank you. you. I, I love your intensity, and you've caused many arguments between my wife and myself because oh, she doesn't like it. But yes. but uh, anyway, intense guy. But I'm also in business. Well, no offense, but you're the sharp one in the family, I take it. <laughs> That's true. But I listen to uh, satellite radio all day long. I listen to Fox Radio. I listen yes. to Sean. I listen to Rush, even though he's not on satellite radio. And right. then I listen to you. Okay? And I hear Peel This Onion. Sean talks about all the time. We're peeling this onion. And I hear Fox News. Breaking news. We got all this new stuff. What makes this different than what happened with IRS or Fast and Furious or Benghazi? I just got a feeling this is all going to just go away one day. Is anybody going to ever go to jail for breaking the law? Uh, encourage me somehow because I'm not alone. There's a lot of folks like me that are just... Well, listen, I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not a psychologist. I'd like to encourage you, but I don't see anybody going to jail anytime soon. Do you? No. Not unless we get a real special counsel who has as his purpose to investigate the areas of the federal government that need to be investigated because, in fact, the Department of Justice is incapable of it. And I've said many times, and I have to agree with Dershowitz on this, or he has to agree with me, uh, not only do we need a special counsel, in my view, but there needs to be a presidential commission, a commission of really top professionals who've held high public uh, uh, positions in the past, the purpose of which is to investigate, not for criminal criminality, but for policy purposes, what took place at the FBI, the FISA court and the FISA judges, the Department of Justice, what took place with the National Security Council and the unmasking, and of course, the rest and everything related to that. I'll be back. From the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Brian Stelter. If you follow my Facebook and Twitter and recall from a little over a year ago, Brian Stelter is a left-wing hack. He is a Towson State graduate. He moved on from there to the New York Slimes, and now he's at the Constipated News Network, CNN. And they gave him his own show, and he's kind of the media guy there. But He's such a fake and such a fraud. He's just not a journalist, and yet that's what he pretends to be. 
So he's become my punching bag, if you will. And he was on CNN yesterday, and he was challenged. This kid, David Hogg, has turned out to be a demagogue. I said that yesterday. I said it earlier. You can be young and a demagogue, and he's turned into a demagogue, and it's really quite unfortunate, but he's been pushed in that direction by left-wing adults, and there he is. And as David Hogg goes on TV and makes really nasty comments and over-the-top comments, then Brian Stelter knew he had and let him get away with it. So you hear Brian Stelter, and then you'll hear S.E. Cup, and then Stelter again. Cut five, go. When I was interviewing David Hogg uh, only 10 days after the massacre, mm-hmm. uh, there were a few times I wanted to jump in and, and say, let's, let's correct that fact. That's let's, so interesting. Let's make let sure we're more. And at one of the did times you? I did, okay. and other times I did not. And, you know, there's always that balance. Yes, How many it's a times very tricky gonna thing interrupt? because this is a yeah. victim on, on one hand who is entitled to his own emotional response. Yeah. But at the same time, as news people, when we hear something demonstrably untrue. Right. You want to go in and so say, but when that's he called not right. Dana Lash, the NRA CEO, interrupted and corrected that. But there are other times when uh, I think all of us can agree. Yes. Uh, any of these students, uh, any of these parents, we want everybody to be as well informed as we can yeah. about the, the contours of this debate. Does any of that make sense to you, Mr. Producer? We want everybody to be well informed as we can about the contours of this debate. No, you don't. You just said. You didn't jump in to correct his, his misstatements, his inaccurate statements, his flat-out lies. And uh, Stelter is becoming the Dan Rather of CNN. I don't mean that in a good way. I mean, he's unreliable. And um, Jimmy Carter is out there, much like John Paul Stevens. The, the leftists never go away. They never shut the hell up. They can't control themselves. And he's on CBS this morning, today. And he's trashing the NRA, because now the NRA is like the Klan, you know, they're like neo-Nazis. And yet there's 5.5 million of us who are members. Many of you have served your country. Many of you are serving your country. We're all patriots. We all pay our taxes. And we have even NRA members who save lives. But here's Jimmy Carter. Cut six. Go. And the NRA basically represents the gun manufacturers and sellers instead of the average hunters and, and, and people that use guns for. You know, you're, you know, Jimmy, you know, we're not allowed to call young people liars, but I do. We're not allowed to call old people liars, but you are. 5.5 million of us, my entire family, are lifetime members of the NRA. There are many families who are lifetime members of the NRA, many individuals who are lifetime members of the NRA or just members of the NRA. We're not gun manufacturers. We're not sellers. There's nothing sinister going on. The NRA was formed by citizens to protect us from people who want to destroy our Bill of Rights and our constitutional right and our unalienable right to have a weapon. And I want you to think about this going through even ancient times, the idea that some government can ban you from having a weapon to protect yourself. 
Only certain types of governments or regimes did that, and none of them were good. Joaquin Castro is a Democrat from Texas. They say he's a rising star. I say he's a falling star. He's another fraud. And he's on with the morning schmo, Joe Scarborough. So you got two frauds in one. Cut seven, go. Let's first start. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Let me set this up right. <clears throat> These attacks on John Bolton, like the attacks on the NRA, like the attacks on the Second Amendment, they're so over the top. John Bolton has served in many presidential positions. He's been confirmed in many positions. That He was blocked from being confirmed at the U.N. by a radical Democrat Senate. He was then appointed on a recess appointment where he served a term as ambassador of the U.N. He did nothing radical. He was enormously effective. He's been enormously effective at every job that he's held, whether it's the Reagan administration, Bush 41, Bush 43. But none of that matters. These people are out of their minds to the extent they have minds. So this is Scarborough and then Joaquin Castro. And notice the leftists that Scarborough keeps bringing on his program. Cut seven, go. Let's first start by asking you uh, your reaction to John Bolton's appointment and what it means for the United States foreign policy. I think it affirms to me the idea, Joe, that if diplomacy fails with North Korea, this administration and this president have a desire to go to war with North Korea. And I don't say that lightly. No, no, no. You just did say that lightly. So you see, ladies and gentlemen, if we ultimately go to war with North Korea, uh, it is the president's fault and John Bolton's fault. I don't think Mr. Castro, Mr. Carter, and their ilk, the appeasement surrender left, really understand the consequences of a nuclearized North Korea. Even though incompetently and ineffectively, one administration after another has done everything they claim is possible to make sure that North Korea doesn't get nuclear weapons, they have. They did. Now, if that's not a threat to the United States, why did they all say that they tried to prevent North Korea from getting them? If there's a war with North Korea, it's not Donald Trump's fault. It's not John Bolton's fault. It's... Kim Jong-un's fault. Go ahead. Based on everything that I've seen in classified and, of course, unclassified settings, I believe that this president basically wants to go to war with North Korea, and the appointment of, of Ambassador Bolton, to me, is an affirmation of that. That, that is so out. This guy is, the fact that he's still in Congress, he's a rising star, Joaquin Castro. He's a crazy nutjob. If the president of the United States wanted to go to war with North Korea, he would have already gone to war with North Korea. Absolutely incredible. But I want you to know, folks, they did the same thing with Reagan when it came to the Soviet Union. That he was a warmonger, that he's a dangerous man. You better keep his finger away from the button. On and on and on. And yet Reagan did more to bring peace to the world. To help tens of millions Truthfully, hundreds of millions of people behind the Iron Curtain to be liberated than any modern president, short of our World War II presidents.
just just appalling this kind of language in the way they trash an American president. Go ahead. What's the, what's the impact? Uh, let, let's say the United States attacks uh, bombs unilaterally North so Korea. So first of all, we have this crackpot. Hey, let me. What's the impact? Like like it's no big. Let's say the United States attacks bombs unilaterally, and you know what you say. What what do you think? Go ahead. Uh, John Bolton has said uh, he wants the United States to do. Uh, whoa, 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 whoa. John Bolton said he wants the United States to bomb North Korea unilaterally? No, I've listened to John Bolton on TV. That's not what he said. He said the United States needs to be prepared militarily just in case, which is a common sense statement. Go ahead. On unclassified material that you've seen. Uh, in your committees and in Congress. Uh, how many deaths does that lead to, not only of South Koreans, but also of Americans in that region? You're talking about, at minimum, hundreds of thousands of people dead, if not millions of people. Uh, that's what's at stake here. Wow, that's, that's pretty, hundreds of thousands, if not millions. Let me ask you this, Mr. Castro, because Scarborough's too much of an a-hole to ask you, I'll ask you. How many lives are at risk if... North Korea fires nuclear missiles into Los Angeles or Chicago or New York City or Philadelphia or San Francisco, Houston, Detroit. How many lives will be lost, Mr. Castro? He's never asked. And isn't that the problem, folks? He is, he's being provocative. We're not being provocative. But Scarborough is not done. Cut eight, go. And, and Donald Trump had an ongoing battle the entire campaign on whether he supported the Iraq war or not. By the way, doesn't, just as an aside, doesn't Scarborough sound like a dumb guy, the way he talks? And Donald Trump had an ongoing battle the entire campaign on whether he supported the Iraq war or not. Go ahead. He called getting into Iraq the stupidest thing the United States had done. And he hires a guy who may be the last Japanese soldier on a Pacific (laughs) island in 1957. You know, Scarborough listens to my show. I've made this point about leftists all the time. Haven't I, Mr. Producer? The last Japanese soldier. You're very creepy, Joe. You don't have an intelligent, independent thought in that small brain of yours. You're low IQ. And to be trashing John Bolton this way, who's done more for this country than you ever could in your short, pathetic, useless term in the House of Representatives, as you've sold out your soul to join into the Manhattan social circle, to be accepted on MSNBC because Fox would have nothing to do with you because you failed on conservative radio truly is embarrassing, but you're too stupid to know it. Go ahead. Fighting World War II. He still, he is that, he is that, that Japanese soldier that, that, that still thinks World War II is going on. He still believes that... The United States did the right thing 
in invading Iraq when everybody else will now say, including myself, who supported the war at the beginning and 70 percent of Americans who supported the war at the beginning. It was an unmitigated disaster. It was not an unmitigated disaster. It was not an unmitigated disaster. And to hear him say this now and others on TV and radio say this now when they were all in. Let me tell you something about this, folks. I happen to know several Gold Star families. And they all, in in these cases, they've lost sons in Iraq. When they listen to this, what do you think they think? When we sent their kids, young men, into war, then to hear the people who supported it suddenly say, we all know it was unmitigated disaster, we shouldn't have done it. When they sit around that table at Easter, when they sit around that table at Passover, in the coming week, the coming days, what do you think they're thinking when that seat is empty? And they hear an irresponsible, bottom-dwelling, useless buffoon like Joe Scarborough make comments like this while they claim to support the military and the veterans. The war in Iraq was not a useless war. It was not a disaster. And if I'm the last one standing to say it, so be it. What was a disaster is we got a new president by the name of Obama and a new vice president by the name of Biden. Two clowns. And as a result of their decisions, Iraq collapsed. Iraq collapsed. And I want these Gold Star families to know that. To know that it was a good war. That their sons did not die in vain. That they did liberate those people. And they're living better today than they would have been otherwise. These people make comments on TV and radio... They just throw them out there. They think they're cool. This group think, this social circle that they're in, it's appalling to listen to a man this stupid, this unaccomplished, this inexperienced to do and say what he does. And same with his soon-to-be wife. Stupid, unaccomplished, and inexperienced. Just like her father. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Oh, yeah. You know what he thinks of John Bolton? Not that most of us care. Cut nine, go. I was very much distressed, and particularly with the choice of his replacement. I think John Bolton is a disaster for our country. Maybe one of the worst mistakes that President Trump has made since he's been in office is the appointment of John Bolton, who has been advocating uh, a war with uh, North Korea for a long time and even promoting an attack on Iran and who was one of the leading figures in orchestrating the decision to invade Iraq. So he's a, a warlike figure, and, and I'm just afraid that his influence on, on President Trump will be deleterious to our country. This is the sort of stuff Jimmy Carter used to say about Reagan, who, of course, crushed him 
uh, in uh, the 1980 election and then crushed his vice president, Walter Mondale, in the 1984 election. Uh, these are warmongers. That's the phrase they use. They're warmongers. John Bolton is no warmonger. On the other hand, John Bolton is a realist, and he understands that North Korea is warmongering. He understands what Iran is doing. He's no more a warmonger than Reagan was. He's no more a warmonger than Netanyahu is. And trust me when I tell you, they hate Reagan and they hate Netanyahu too, just as they hated Churchill. It's hard to stand up against appeasement. It's hard to stand up against people like this who paint a picture, a false picture, of uh, peace and tranquility, who paint a picture of negotiations, that negotiations will solve everything. Well, they don't solve everything. As a result of negotiations, Iran is now stronger, toppling nations, threatening our country, as well as Israel, as well as Western Europe. North Korea, despite 30 years of negotiations and, and, uh, and appeasement and the provision of all kinds of resources to that regime, they went ahead and they built their nukes. Look at China right now. So you need these solid, pro-American, pro-United uh, States national security, experienced hands in place. And that's what the Democrats hate. I'll be right back. Levin Show. This is the home of the July 4th Americans. And you can call at 877-381-3811. I will see you in one hour on Hannity on the Fox News Channel, 9.35 p.m. Eastern Time, which is 6.35 p.m., I guess, Pacific Time, where my kids are out there in California and grandkids. And I'll be bolting out of the radio bunker to get to the Reagan studio where we, uh, where we do live in TV. Man, I am bouncing around. I am everywhere. I'm not even trying to be everywhere. I'm just asked to be everywhere. It's, it, it does get exhausting, but I'm all fired up. It'll be good on uh, Hannity. I want to talk to you about our good, <coughs> excuse me. I want to talk to you about our good friends over at filterby.com. When was the last time you checked your HVAC filter? Now, you might not think it's a big deal, but it's a very big deal. Where do you think that air goes, if not in and through your filter? That's right. It winds up in your lungs, and if you really let it go, you risk ruining your entire HVAC system. So now you have, uh, you know, dirty air that you're breathing into your lungs, and you have an empty wallet. Filter by is who I personally trust for my HVAC filters. Breathe better with Filter by America's leading provider of HVAC filters for homes and small businesses. They carry over 600 different filters, including custom options, all shipped free within 24 hours. Plus, they're manufactured right here in America. It's a company owned by an American family. Filter by offers a multitude of MERV options all the way up to hospital grade. So you'll be removing dangerous pollen, mold, dust, and other allergy-aggravating pollution while maximizing the efficiency of your system. Right now, you can save 5% when you set up auto delivery, so you never need to think about air filters again, which is exactly what we in the Levin household do. The filters show up. They're clean. They're fresh. You take out the dirty filters, 
you swap in the new filters, and you're all set. You don't have to think about it. And you save money, you save time, you breathe better with FilterBuy.com. That's FilterBuy.com, FilterBuy.com. Howard, Far Rockaway, New York, the great WABC, go. Yes, Mark, good evening. I wanted to put out for the American people in response to Mr. President Carter that all the great wars of the 20th century that the American country, America, was involved with, First World War, Second World War, Korean War, Vietnam War, were all started when Democrats were in power. And I think oh, you're not allowed to say that. You're not allowed to say that, sir. Bob Dole said that many years ago, and he was attacked. Shame on you. You're not allowed to say that. Don't you know that? Oh, boy. Well, I'm, I'm happy that uh, Mr. Dole thought of it before me then. And you remember, you remember uh, old Jimmy Carter when he was president? Yes, sir. And his Vignu Brzezinski when he was yes. the national security advisor. And Vance, who was the secretary of state. All that, the, uh, the group of nitwits. Remember what they did in Iran. Yes. They sent helicopters in there and they crashed and the soldiers were killed. You remember that? It was a tragedy. It was a tragedy and a travesty. Yes, sir. So that's what we get out of Carter, if not worse. And remember the, uh, the Soviets moved into Afghanistan? I mean, the world was falling apart under Carter. Yes, sir. Okay, thank All you. All right, Howard. God bless. Richard, Klamath Falls, Oregon, on the Mark Levin app. Go. Well, it's an honor and privilege to speak with you, Mark. And I wanted Thank to you, give sir. you my idea of gun control, how we can resolve some of the issues. And that is to buy, use a GPS system, put them on the, on the guns and the weapons so you know where they're at and if they're going to be fired. Well, so who knows a, where they're at? Well, the, the authorities do know where they're at. What authorities? Well, the sheriff, the police. Uh, so everybody, all law enforcement, all levels of government know, know where your weapons are. Okay. Well, if they know they're in a safe zone or not. Uh, no, no, no. I, I don't believe in that. I don't believe that our government at all levels should know where all my guns are. Well, I'm not saying for all over the country, just in short areas, like like uh, Las well, Vegas. Sir, 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 sir. How would you possibly limit that? How could you possibly control that? These organizations are going to share the information with others. There's a database. You really think we need more databases on innocent people? No, I'm not asking for I'm just asking about the guns. So if they come in an area, you know where they're at. Give it all on for Well, I don't want them to know where they're at. I don't want them to know where my guns are at. Well, just how about the bullets, then? You can put that. The bullets? In. All right, thanks for your call. Oh, my Lord. They should know where the bullets are and the guns are. What for? I haven't done anything. Have you done anything? There are hundreds of millions of weapons out there owned by 70 or 80 million people. 70 or 80 million people aren't doing anything wrong with their weapons or their bullets. And the government at all levels will have data on your weapons and your bullets. This is getting sicker by the minute. They have all our health records. They have all our financial records. Why? Why does the government have all of our health records? Why does the government have all our financial records? You see, ladies and gentlemen, people don't understand liberty anymore. 
They have all kinds of ideas of how to surrender it. It's really quite remarkable. David, Salt Lake City, Sirius Satellite, go. David, Salt Lake City, go. Okay. Rich, Pantego, Texas, the great WBAP, go. Okay, yes, sir. Uh, first of all, thank you so much for your, um, for, for your enlightened views, sir. I really appreciate you on that front. Uh, anyways, um, uh, hey there, CJ. Anyways, I just want to ask you really quick. Uh, sir, why are all these CEOs, you know, like straight-up leftists, why do they support that agenda whenever the leftist agenda is looking to tax them at the highest rates possible? I never really understood that. Why is that, sir? Well, there's a lot of reasons for this. And uh, some of them include it's the course of least resistance because they know that conservatives and Republicans aren't going to bother them, but leftists will, so they try and buy peace. Uh, Many of these people are super wealthy, so if you have a couple billion dollars and you pay 30 40% on that, the way they view it is, okay, that's the price you have to pay. They're not people who earn four, five, six hundred thousand dollars $600,000 a year trying to move it up even further uh, who – who these taxes really do uh, do harm when they call the rich. You know, a person who earns a million dollars is not the same as a person who earns two or three billion dollars, and yet they're all thrown into the same kettle. <clears throat> I also think that they have ways of making more money through government regulations, through government lobbyists, and so forth and so on. And so, again, they figure that's the price they have to pay. There's a lot of reasons for it. I don't really care. I don't really care what their reasons are. The fact of the matter is, in order to have an healthy economy, a healthy society, the government should have less and the individual should have more. Right. Amen, sir. Amen. And again, uh, thank you. And like people like Dennis Prager, Ben Shapiro, Thomas Sowell, I really do appreciate you guys. I used to be a liberal, but you guys really helped open up my my eyes. So I really appreciate you guys. I'll tell you what, I'm going to send you a copy of Rediscovering Americanism. Would you like that? Absolutely, sir. I'd be honored. Thank you. All right, so don't hang up. Very sharp guy. Don't hang up. Let's go to Lou. Short Hills, New Jersey. Go right ahead on the great WABC. Hi, Mark. Are you aware that every lawyer, elected politician, and judge, including Justice Stevens, took an oath to uphold the Second Amendment? It's amazing, isn't it? It is, and I want you to get these politicians on the line and ask them, what are they doing to protect the rights of individuals under the Second Amendment? Okay, good idea. I hadn't thought of that. All right, Lou, thanks for your call. Aaron, Washington, D.C., the great WMAL. Go. Yeah, I was just wanting to mention that I did a research project while I was in school recently for cybersecurity, and I was talking with... Uh, a lot of different people regarding how Google had already, I mean, I, I, there's a number of different uh, news stories and such that said that Google and Microsoft and a number of different other companies had already signed contracts to sign over information from their provider or from the people, their users, to the government. So mm-hmm. they were already providing that information. I mean, this is you know, some time ago in the conversation before. Well, it'll be interesting. Uh, you know, the uh, uh, Zuckerberg said, you know, he's happy to testify before Congress. He's happy to be regulated because he's an idiot. You know, a lot of these guys get rich. Doesn't mean they're they're smart in other ways. He's an idiot. And that's fine. And 
if I were testifying, I'd get up there, I'd tell them what, you know, what I know, but I'd also tell them, tell me, how much information do you keep on the American people? Tell me, do you share the information you keep on the American people, department to department, agency to agency? What kind of information do your intelligence services keep on the American people? We now see they unmask information on American citizens. I mean, the irony of ironies is that Congress is going to have a hearing on what uh, Facebook is doing with its data. You know, a, a, a pock on both their houses. Now, I have to tell you, if you use Google, if you use Facebook, uh, but particularly if you go in, uh, on these different websites even, there's things that pop up all the time that show you where you've been on the Internet. If you've been to Amazon, if you've been looking at particular types of products, particular types of information, they pop up. People pay for that sort of thing. It's not like at least the, the broad parameters of this weren't known. I don't know about all the specifics, but the broad parameters of this weren't known. And, of course, politicians are going to make use of this. And nobody made a better use of this than Barack Obama. But have you also noticed, Aaron, when it comes to this, Barack Obama's not around. Nobody talks to him because of what he did in 2012 and 2013 with the information. Have you also noticed that when it comes to the unmasking of American citizens, nobody talks to Barack Obama? Notice when his administration does nothing effectively to stop the Russians from interfering in our election. Nobody wants to talk to Barack Obama. And I can go on and on. Barack Obama skates. All right, Lou. Is it Lou? Aaron, I apologize. All right, Aaron, thanks for your call. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Oh, yeah. All right. How would you like to be part of an effort to put a free copy of the Constitution and Declaration in the hands of every middle school and public high school student in the nation? Students aren't being taught the Constitution, including the Second Amendment. So how can we expect them to understand and embrace what's necessary to protect freedom? Hillsdale College wants to change all that, but they need your help. Hillsdale is taking the unprecedented step of sending a copy of the Constitution and Declaration of Independence to every middle school and high school public school principal in America, along with an offer to provide free copies for every student. Hillsdale is doing this because they believe that educating the next generation is vital to preserving liberty and because they love America. Learn how you can help in this historic effort and how you can get your own copy of Hillsdale's pocket constitution to keep or give away by visiting levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. And you can find out how to help send a pocket constitution to all these public schools and how they, in turn, can give them to their students and how you can get your own free copy. That's levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. You know, coming up next Sunday, I know it's early, but it's Easter Sunday, um, on Life, Liberty, and Levin on Fox at 10 p.m., will be former Attorney General Ed Meese. And we get into this entire discussion about Russia, this investigation, how these things have taken place. And, you know, he was a confidant to Ronald Reagan early on when Reagan was governor. And he was his legal counsel, his legal secretary, became his chief of staff when he was governor, obviously worked on his campaigns, 
And then when he became president of the United States, was counselor to the president and then attorney general of the United States. He's got a wealth of information. I should know. I was his chief of staff for a period of time at the Department of Justice. We have many, many wonderful guests that we are uh, intending to have on the program. Sarah Palin, uh, Gary Sinise, people you may not have heard of before, David Berlinski. Just a brilliant, brilliant man where we're going to talk about all kinds of interesting things, including evolution. He's a secularist, but he's, but he's got comments on evolution that's fascinating. Philip Pettit. Philip Pettit has done exquisite scholarship on the concept and the reality of liberty. So we have a real mix. We're going to have our buddy Daniel Horowitz and Charlie Kirk, these young millennials, on to talk about the future of conservatism and where they think the country's headed. This is what I want to do with this Sunday night program, and many, many more I can't even speak to you about yet. And also, again, uh, I will be on literally in, what, 35 minutes or so on Hannity on the Fox News channel. I look forward to seeing you there. Let's grab some calls quickly. How about we go to Stephen in Sunnyvale, California, where I lived for a period of time on a street called Waxwing Avenue. Do you know where Waxwing Avenue is, Stephen? No, no, I don't know that. I was, I'm really sorry. I wish I could It's right. Out. It's, 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 hold on now. It's right off Lawrence Expressway. You know where that is? Okay. Yeah, yeah, sure. I just it's right over, off there. I just crossed over El Camino Lawrence. That's very close to there. The great KSFO. Go ahead. Um, listen, Mark, you're a smart guy. I think you're. I hope you're going to be able to steer me in the right direction. I don't own guns. I don't have. I don't even carry a pocket knife. But if I wanted to exercise my right under the Second Amendment to keep and bear arms, would it? Is it a valid question to ask what arms are? I mean, a sharp rock, a knife, a pocket knife, a rifle, a, mu- a musket. Um, well, what's the Constitution say? It well, it says keep. Than bear arms. And, well, what's you know, the Constitution at, at the say? That it shall not be infringed. Right. So it includes all those things, doesn't it? Well, if the musket of the day was a long rifle and a pistol. Well, I don't know. You've read the First Amendment, right? Freedom of the press? Right. Did we have cable TV then? Yes, we do. Uh, I said, did we have cable TV back then? Oh, no, of course not. Oh, of course not. Did we have televisions back then? No, we didn't. And that's did getting... we have radios back then? <laughs> no, we did not. Oh, so none of that's covered then. Only getting up on a soapbox and handing out pamphlets. See, sir, the, the, the Bill of Rights, technology, products, progress, and so forth, these are unalienable rights. If you were to say to me, then, Mark, why shouldn't we be able to own a nuclear weapon or a bazooka? And I can answer that. I've given that some thought, and I've done some research on that. The point is this. The weapons that they were talking about were not weapons of mass destruction, quote-unquote, and so forth. They were talking about the kind of weapons you would use to defend yourself, to defend your family, uh, to defend your property, and so forth and so on. And so that's why you don't get to have an atomic bomb and things of that sort. And even more than that, an atomic bomb, a nuclear weapon, a bazooka, and so forth, you know, that can affect how your, how your neighbors live. But semi-automatic weapons or pistols, or knives, or hatchets, and things of that sort, or swords, would be perfectly legitimate. They would have been perfectly legitimate back then, and they're perfectly legitimate today. You shouldn't be so quick to abandon the notion of unalienable rights. 
Well, especially when I, I, it seems like uh, a territory nobody wants to cover as far as one of the considerations for keeping and bearing arms, if you go back to the intention, I would imagine is uh, to throw off uh, an out-of-control government. Correct. But, um, and, and, if you, and if that is valid criteria, then how is it that the government even has a seat at the table for having to weigh in on something like this? Because the Constitution is our governing document, and the government gets to participate in interpreting it. It's not the sort of thing we can interpret by ourselves at the kitchen table. But I appreciate your call. It's an excellent question. All right. We, we appreciate you heroes out there. I'll see you in 30 minutes. Fox News Channel at 935. Be well. Be well.